I want to thank everybody on behalf of this family. We love this family so much. And it means so much to see all of you here. This isn't a funeral. Uh, if you came expecting that, I'm, I think you'll find quite the opposite. Right, Jim? We said that before. Funerals are about death. Today is a day of celebration, and it's about life. Um, there are many stories about Bonnie Cook. Many of you have shared them with each other over the past week. Some of you have posted uh, amazing things on Facebook uh, with a group that began on Thursday afternoon that's now topped over 2,000 members, people sharing stories, remembrances. And if you're here today, you probably have a story uh, because Bonnie was a part of your life in some way. And uh, it may be Uh, The smiles that you got from her as you were walking down the hall of the middle school from one class to the next when she would look out the window and give you that big smile. Um, Maybe she taught you piano lessons. Uh, Maybe she played at your wedding. Uh, Maybe now and again, like me, she corrected you um, with a humble yet stern way that always made you feel as if you were one of her kids. Uh, so loving. Uh, maybe it's how she could remember details about people and events when everyone else would have long forgotten. She could always remember. She could tell a great story. Or maybe you got one of her sweet notes um, that was always written with impeccably perfect penmanship just to let you know how much you were loved and how much you were cared about. Um, it's easier to, it's, it's harder to think about what not to share about Bonnie than it, than it is to think about things to say. Um, I know for me, uh, my first experience with Bonnie was um, as a child before I even thought about serving uh, at First Baptist Lindale when I attended Vacation Bible School there, and she was the music leader. And we would go into her class, her music class, and, and she would teach us songs. And then as I grew up and, and had the privilege to serve, Alongside her, we would um, work together often for weddings, uh, worship services, and singing. Kim and I uh, would work very closely with Bonnie, and it was amazing. If there was ever a song on my heart that that I wanted to share or that we were asked to do in a wedding, uh, I could give Bonnie a CD and say, can you play this? Which was really a silly question. And within days, without ever having seen one piece of printed music, Uh, she could sit at the piano and play it impeccably perfect by memory. Um, And so I called on her to do that very often. And uh, oftentimes in weddings, uh, maybe I would sing or Kim would sing or both of us would sing and we would have that little spot behind the piano and Bonnie would be sitting and playing. And and especially during wedding rehearsals, we had a great time because we would tell stories back and forth while the wedding party was figuring out what they were going to do. We would talk and share and, and she would tell us stories usually about uh, other funny uh, weddings that she had been a part of and just funny things that had happened. Or she would tell stories about her and Jim and uh, their early years of marriage. And there are some great, great stories um, about that. And so we just had a great time. She was a constant encouragement to me. Uh, I knew that she always prayed for me as a fellow staff person. and, And for Kim, she believed in our ministry and she supported us 100%. And uh, we also shared much of the same taste in music. 
and namely our love for the music of Andrew Peterson uh, was a very special tie that we had together. Um, Bonnie's life and her story has been very prominent this week, uh, but truthfully her life was much less about Bonnie Cook than some of you may realize. And my prayer for you today is that you will come to understand the truth that made Bonnie's life so influential and so special. If you're familiar with the Gospel of John in chapter 11, there's a story about a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus was loved by many people. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they cared for Lazarus deeply. And Lazarus became very sick. And Jesus was also very close to Lazarus. And so when he became sick, his sister sent word for Jesus to come. One, because they knew Jesus cared for Lazarus. And second, because they knew Jesus had the power to heal. And so they called for Jesus to come and said, Lazarus is very sick, we need you. But he didn't come. He stayed where he was, the scriptures say, for two days before he decided to begin to travel to where Lazarus was. And when he got there, the greeting he received from the sisters were, was one of confusion. If you had been here, they said, Lazarus would not have died. Lord, you could have stopped this, but you didn't. We asked you to do something to help, but you didn't. Lord, we waited for you to come and show us a miracle, but you never came. I suspect that there may be some people here today who may be asking those same kind of questions. You loved Bonnie very deeply, and you prayed for her. And you prayed on her behalf, and you asked the Lord to work a miracle in her life. You asked God to touch her physically. You asked God to shrink or eliminate completely those tumors that had taken over her brain. and You prayed earnestly, and many of us prayed, believing that God was going to do a great miracle in her. And then in the end, we were going to be able to praise and glorify and celebrate that, and that we were going to have her back. So you may be asking questions like, God, why, did, why didn't you heal Bonnie? Uh, why did we ask you to make her better, but she seemed to to get worse how could you let her die such a tragic horrifying way we ask you to do something we ask you to work a miracle but you didn't why if you read the story of Lazarus before Jesus decided to go he spoke with his disciples and he explained to them that Lazarus sickness would not end in death. And that was a promise that he made to them. Because he already knew the plan. He already knew what was mapped out ahead of time. And they didn't understand. And and he said something very significant to them that I think all of us need to hear. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. He told them that before he ever began to go. Now, if you're not a believer and you're here today, that's going to be really hard for you to get. Hard for you to understand. But if you continue to read the story, there's more comfort because Jesus shows great compassion for the ones who are hurting over Lazarus' death. When he arrives, he sees their hurt. He sees their pain, their suffering, and their sadness. And 
And the scriptures say that he wept because he not only loved Lazarus himself, but he hurt for the people that he saw hurting. And even though he knew what a great miracle was about to come, he still wept. He still hurt. He still cried. And, and, and what I want you to understand today is that's the kind of God that we serve. That was Bonnie's Lord, the kind of father that will come alongside us when we hurt. And he will sit with us. And he will cry with us. He has compassion for us when our heart aches. And we don't know what to say. And we don't know how to express it. But then something happened that nobody expected. Jesus goes to where Lazarus is. And he says, move the stone away. Really? Um, Okay. Lord, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you really want to do that Lazarus has been dead for four days if nobody told you and if you move that stone away it's going to smell really bad his body is already decomposing why why would you want to do that and again he answers them and he says a very powerful thing he reminds them of what he told them before and he says didn't I tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. And so they do as he, was, as he requested. And he called for Lazarus to come out. And Lazarus came out. And he didn't just hobble out. He came out. And Jesus said, take those cloths off of him so he can be free. And he was completely healed and completely restored. And what a huge miracle it was that day. Jesus did something that was even huge, more huge and greater and bigger than they ever intended for him to do in the very beginning. This is what I believe the Lord would have us understand this morning, or not this morning, this afternoon. Um, Bonnie Cook is not dead. Bonnie Cook is very, very much alive. You may have thought that the story that everyone's been talking about this weekend is the story of a beautiful, wonderful lady who touched many lives with her her love and her service. And now she's not with us anymore. But what I want you to understand is there's a much bigger story. Much bigger. And the story of Bonnie Cook, the story that she told with her life, was not her story. She understood that. But it was the story of the glory of her God. See, many of us live our lives telling the story of us. As if the the story were about us and we are the stars. And from time to time we, we look for ways to make God a part of our story. But that's not true life. That's not the life that Bonnie lived. It's not the life of a true believer. Bonnie understood that the story was about God's glory, that it was his. And she humbly and faithfully accepted the role that Christ had chosen for her to play in his story. He called her into his story with a very specific role to play. And she played that role with all of her heart. And that's why you love her so much. That's why I love her so much. Because if you knew her, she did everything she did with great dignity and great excellence. Uh, 
Bonnie was not satisfied with mediocre uh, in anything that she did, whether it be her job at the middle school, whether it be her music, whether it be the choir, right? Nobody's chewing gum, right? (laughs) Big deal, you don't chew gum when you sing. Um, Everybody here knows that. Um, Her ministry to other people, it's because her, the purpose of her life was to shine a light that reflected off of her back on to the glory of God, just the way Jesus told them in John 11. So her death and the way it happened, as dramatic as it was um, over the past several days, has put a spotlight on Bonnie. And we've all seen that, the way the media has covered the story that, that has taken place. But what's already happening and what's happening right now today is that that spotlight that the world is shining on Bonnie because of her life is reflecting off of her, shining onto the glory of her God. A God of love and mercy and peace and grace. So it's because of that today we celebrate. We're happy. Because God has promised, he's made a promise, and the promise is that he will show his glory to all who believe. That's what he told them before he brought Lazarus from the tomb. And Bonnie believed this. She believed this with all that was in her. And the purpose of her life and her death was to reflect our attention that we have put on her back onto the real giver of life, the Lord of all things. Jesus Christ. So we love Bonnie so much and we're going to miss her. But I believe that Bonnie's heart and the heart of this family wants you to understand that there's a much bigger story going on right now and a much greater glory than Bonnie Cook. She was an actress with a supporting role in the story of God. So I want to challenge all of us to examine our lives And see whose story we're telling. Are we living the story of us? Where we're the star? And if that's the case, that story will be very short. It will be very small. And it will end very soon. But you can trade your role. You can give up your starring role in the story of you. And you can trade it for a supporting role in the story of God, which is the story that Bonnie played in. Because that story is huge, and it's big, and it's eternal, and it will never end. So think about it. Which story do you really want to be a part of? I want to conclude with some song lyrics. Um fitting to both mine and Bonnie's personalities, I think. I said that we loved Andrew Peterson's music, and uh, a couple of songs immediately this weekend have have come to my mind um, that I know this family knows very well. One um, is a chorus from uh, a song entitled More, and it simply says, There is more, more than all this pain, more than all the falling down and getting up again. There is more. More than we can see, 
from our tiny vantage point in this vast eternity. There is more. And then a song that I know Jim uh, has probably had on his mind and heart this weekend, another one of our favorites, a song that Andrew penned called Lay Me Down, and the chorus of it says, When you lay me down to die, I'll miss my boys and I'll miss my girls. Lay me down and let me say goodbye to this world. You can lay me anywhere. Oh, but just remember this. When you lay me down to die, you lay me down to live. My dear friend Jim, and I do mean dear, for David and Julie, Hannah, I'm just getting to know, Julianne, that Phyllis is doing a really good job with, and Dean and Janice. I may tell you this, a privilege that I have to share today, Uh, an honor that I could just share some words about the, the impact and influence Bonnie had on my life. As I look around this room, there are certainly people from First Baptist Lindale, and there's people from, I'm sure, Pleasant Valley South and other neighboring churches within the area that had been touched by Bonnie's life. If you'd ever been anywhere through the middle school, you knew who Bonnie Cook was. It doesn't matter whose titles were on the door, she ran the school. No, she was very supportive and very always grateful for those that she worked with and worked under. If you're one of those educators or teachers, I thank God for you. She praised you and enjoyed working with you. And she loved working with children. Those young people that come through, she took care of them. I've, I had four children pass through the middle school, so I was up there a lot. And, uh, man, she would take care, man, she would help kids with their medicine and their homework and their phone calls, and I'm just amazed at what all she could do. She was greatly loved. A unique woman. When I thought about what possible text I could share for a woman who at the age of 58 seemed to have an untimely crisis in her life. And from the time I got news and, and hustled back here, I began to get phone calls. And this is what they would start out, my brother Jim, they would say, Pastor, I don't understand it. She was a godly woman. Oh, godly woman. Pastor, I can't, can you explain this to me? She was a godly woman. Uh, you can't, it doesn't seem fair. She was a godly woman. But I want to tell you, she was a godly woman. And I, you say, well, how do you know that? Well, if you're around her, you knew that. But I'm going to tell you, when I look into the lives of her husband and her, son and her daughter 
and the faith that she has instilled in y'all. For this moment in time, you have displayed your mother's influence and your wife's influence. And she was godly. I have been around a lot of different funerals. I've seen a lot of different levels of faith and levels of peace. But you guys have displayed a level of peace that honors and glorifies God as a tribute to what your mother instilled in you and what your wife supported and built up in you, brother. Because we all know we're only as good as our wives, brother. That's the bottom line. And uh, I'm convinced that Bonnie's going to have double rewards in heaven. Number one, she was married to a minister and she had to work with a minister. And so uh, she's got double rewards. As I thought about her, there's only one text. I have never, ever used this. If you know me, I try to make these very personal. I've only I never used this for this occasion of such an amazing celebration. But I will share with you the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes. That say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who understand how to walk in humility and realize they're nothing without Christ can have everything Christ offers. To realize they can't save themselves and they trust Christ to save them. Well, Bonnie had that kind of spirit. She understood she was really nothing without Christ. She understood that she relied on him, relied on him and, and trusted him and leaned on him. Without him, she was nothing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Many a time I've looked and saw her weeping over someone who was hurting, joining in compassion for those who were struggling, touched by that child that would come to her desk, and she would understand the circumstance and situation. Or sometimes that teacher or or administrator that was having a hard time in life and she would identify with her needs to identify with her longtime friend Judy and the struggle she went through and to identify with me as I, we struggled with our daughter Vicky, and I would watch her cry for our hurt, and sometimes even in these past few days, I'm quite sure, brother, she cried for her own hurt. And then the word is, Jesus said, they'll be comforted. If we were to write the script, we would probably write it differently because we don't know all that needs to be known. We don't understand all that God knows. And we would certainly write it differently, but not have the same effect and outcome. I would have certainly not written the script this way. But I just don't know everything I need to know. For she has a comfort now that we can't even imagine. She has now left this place and gone to a place where there's no burden and no sickness and no struggle and no disappointment and no crisis. As a matter of fact, I was thinking, you know, um, she's in heaven. Uh, she'll have a job. She's a musician. I won't have a job when I get to heaven. 
She's got it made. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I, when I first met Bonnie, I didn't know what to think about her because she's so quiet. She's just kind of quiet. Meekness is a controlled strength, which she seemed to be very good at having. Just that meek spirit, that quietness that had great strength in the words. They may have been a whisper, but they were strong. And she... lived out this meekness, never had an agenda other than to honor the Lord, to love her family dearly, and to love her church, and build up the school in which she worked. She wasn't looking for glory. She didn't want to be in the spotlight. And she inherited the earth. Well, say, how do you know that? Was she rich? Look around. What do you think? I think she's pretty rich. I think she inherited a lot. Look at here. Look at this group that's come. And the, the Facebook response. Yeah. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. She really was satisfied with Jesus. He was enough. We live in a time in a consumer mentality where people begin to wonder if Jesus is enough, what else you got to have, what else you got to add. For Bonnie Cook, Jesus was enough. <laughs> he was just enough. She would love it as she would use her gifts and talents to share and, and play. And she was satisfied. Even in the midst of one of the worst times of her life, she never lost her satisfaction with Jesus. To be told that uh, because of a series of events, uh, Bonnie had impeccable grammar. And I realized early on that I was God's instrument to help her grow in patience, because mine is not. And all of a sudden, for her to misuse words, you're going, whoa. And things begin to happen that weren't normal. And all of a sudden, you find that she's now having to go to the doctor, and they're having to do tests, and they come away with the fact that there's three uh, tumors in the brain. And then it begins to take an impact on her life, and it affects her physically and her movement, her eyesight, and all this. I would look at her in the hospital bed and see that amazing smile she seemed to always have. Always. Because she was satisfied with Jesus. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Yeah. Mercy. She was always merciful. At least to me, she was always merciful, and I appreciated that. You know, she had perfect pitch, which I don't even imagine. I have no idea what that is. I always made sure if I was singing, I was on the opposite side of the room for her because I didn't want to mess her up. Perfect pitch. 
But more importantly, she had a heart that was had a perfect desire for God. Pure. No hidden motive, no ever hidden agenda. She is who she is and merciful and pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I begin to, that's the reason she did so well, even in this crisis. She was seeing God every day. She was singing. And on that tragic day when things seemed to go haywire, simply going for what would be a routine treatment of radiation, the radiation was taking a toll on her. She wasn't improving. It was a tragic time for the family and for her. And then when this would happen, you want to say, it tests your thinking about life and your thinking about God. But I assure you, she saw God. I know everyone wants to kind of speculate and wonder what happened and how did it happen. But can I tell you, it really don't matter. She saw God. She saw God. And in that, she left this world set free. Set free. And so I say to you, she, in her meekness and her gentleness and her purity heart, she had a deep sense of humor. I, I remember when I first came to church, I've been there over 19 years, and uh, I preached a, a tithing sermon and I used uh, Wendy's French fries as an illustration. In celebration of her life, they ate at Wendy's today. I did. Trying not to do that now, but I thought, hey. I, and I brought back my box of fries. The reason why this is important to me is when I, uh, I shared and taught the illustration of, of fries and how my daughters, I, I bought the fries for them and I ate a piece and they, they said those were my fries. And I told them, well, I, I, could, I could cover you in fries. And, and it was an illustration about sharing and giving back what God had given us. But that Sunday night, there was an empty box of fries sitting on my chair on the, in the, on the platform. And she was just laughing. And I thought, a musician who finally listens to a preacher. Hey, this is pretty good. <laughs> well, she had a positive influence on all she came in contact with. She wrote cards for every occasion in my life and the lives of many of you. In that imperfect handwriting that used to go, how does anybody write like this? And it would, on my birthday, on my anniversaries, on our wedding anniversary, I got a card, always. And sometimes, for no reason at all, I got a card. And so I say to you, we celebrate a life. We celebrate a life. I was thinking about her, and I was thinking about, in heaven, I, I, there's no calendars, and there's no clocks. Because time doesn't matter there. Because we're having such a good time. We don't think about time. That's where she's gone. Y'all know that. That's why you're doing so well. You're not like those who have no hope. You have great hope. And for that, I, I'm grateful. I, wanna, I, too, want to close with the lyrics of a song which I would never try to sing. But I will share these lyrics with you because they were special to her 
And I heard the song this morning as a divine moment from God. I want to share them with you because I know she had this CD. You and I talked about this. A blessing by a large story. And these are the words. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace. Comfort for family. Protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. And we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love, as if every promise from your word is not enough. All the while, you hear each desperate plea along that we'd have faith to believe. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? And what if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When a friend betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know the pain reminds this heart that this is not, this is not our home. It is not our home. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? And what if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know that you're near? What if my greatest disappointments are the achings of this life? Is the revealing of a greater thirst this world cannot satisfy? And what if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies? In disguise. And to quote her son David Cook, sometimes God uses tragedy to bring mercy. Maybe this helped answer your questions of why. But more importantly, the question of what about you and your life with Christ? Bonnie's fine, but what about you? Have you had that defining moment in your life where you've put your faith and trust in Christ and where you begin to live out the character of the kingdom in Matthew 5? What about you? Bonnie's fine. What about you? If you've not prepared yourself for eternity, I would suggest and encourage you to find a quiet place before this day is over and seek the one who died on the cross for you. His name is Jesus. And Ask him to save you and deliver you from your sin and change your life. And then, perhaps at your moment like this, people will say over you, that was a godly person. Because you can't be godly without Christ. Impossible. He makes all the difference. Let's pray. Father, we trust you with this day, with this dear family, and with the questions that will come this day forward. And I pray your convicting work will have its perfect way in our lives.
and conform us into what you'd have us to be. We thank you for Bonnie's life, her impact and influence. And may you continue to minister to this family incredibly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.